Um, kids, stay with us just for a second as we uh, finish up this um, little bit, and then Jason's going to preach. And Jason, if you can't preach after that, man, whoo. One of the things that Christmas reminds me is that God uses little people to do incredibly great supernatural things. And I don't know if you're like me, sometimes I feel a little, I feel a little small in a world of 8 billion people. And yet God uses small, faithful people. And this is what the Christmas story is. He uses little Mary, a teenager. This is what she said in her song after being visited by the angels. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. What a word and reminder to us that God uses the little things. And uh, we're coming up on uh, the end of the Advent season. We've got another Sunday and then of course Christmas Eve and we're showing up in our PJs if you want on Christmas Day for a little 30 minute singing and devotional time. But uh, one of the big things we do at this time of year to support all of our mission partners is our Christmas mission offering. And we've been asking you to pray about what God might put on your heart. So many of you have been so generously and sacrificially giving to this. Some of you give to this all year long. You just give to this mission offering all, all, all year long. But next week, we're going to come and uh, we're going to give that gift of a mission offer. Some of you have given already. We'll still ask you just to put it on an envelope. If you're here with us, we're going to put those in the baskets next week as our little step of faith to say, God, use this little thing. And for some of this, this little thing feels really big. Um, but remember, Jesus says it's not the size of the gift, it's the size of the sacrifice and the faith in which it's given. And so we're going to do that next week, and we've got a pretty big goal that we're trying to raise to give to our mission partners like uh, the Hub and the Lovewell and Purchased and Rise Up and Roast and uh, our adopting and fostering uh, families to help them on their journey, our church planters all over the world, and our friends um, in Southeast Asia. So come next week ready to do this, uh, ready to give. If you're not going to be here, you can give online. Of course, that's okay. You can bring it even on Christmas Eve if you're going to come uh, that day. One of our practices uh, through this is a responsive reading. And so this is like us praying together, basically. A lot of Psalms were written in this uh, fashion. So Michael, if you would pull that up, our responsive reading. And um, we'll read. I'll read the not bolded piece and you'll read the piece in bold. I think we got this. This means yes, everybody with me, okay? We're gonna try this together as a prayer, uh, collective prayer unto the Lord. Happy are those who hope is in God, maker of heaven and earth, for God keeps faith forever. God executes justice for the oppressed and gives food for the hungry. God sets the prisoners free and opens the eyes of the blind. God lifts up those who are bowed down. God watches over the strangers and upholds the orphan and the widow. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Come, Jason. Uh, I want to dismiss our school-age kiddos to the back. I see Miss Robin back there already, and uh, Miss Caroline and Gracie going back there, I believe, and going to have a great time this morning. 
I will tell you, uh, parents, uh, I snuck out during the 9.30 hour and I listened to the kids uh, practice for New, uh, New Year's Eve, for Christmas Eve, uh, their little song, and it's going to bless us in lots of good ways. So you don't want to miss that on Christmas Eve. We're going to be in uh, Luke 2 uh, this morning, if you want to go there. And uh, so far during our Advent season, our Advent series, we've kind of been walking through these classic Advent themes. We walked through this theme of hope a few weeks ago, uh, peace last week, and today we're going to talk about joy. And man, uh, we got some practice with joy this morning, right? With uh, those songs we sang this morning. Uh, Thank you to our band. Y'all clap for them real quick. They work so hard. Um, and bless us in so many ways each week. So thank you guys for doing that. Joy is one of the central themes in the Christmas story. And joy can be a noun or a verb. There's joy uh, and there is rejoicing, right? There's this like rejoicing nature. You think about a wedding when everybody's dancing and, and laughing and you're just, you're rejoicing. And I was thinking about uh, this idea of joy this week. And And I've had plenty of times when there's been like this supernatural spiritual joy that I've had. It's been in a worship service or even by myself at my my table where I'm just like, sometimes my family hears I'm just like singing songs to God and I sound terrible and all those kind of things. But maybe the most tangible time of rejoicing I can remember, and you never heard the story, Tracy, is me and Tracy were dating. And um, I'll never forget this. It was our first Valentine's together. Aww. And we went to the Cheesecake Bistro, amen, over there at the boardwalk. Rest in peace, uh, Bistro. And, um, and I'll never forget this. Um, we ate, and we probably just sat there and talked for hours. And it was a weeknight, so she had school. We had work, all those kind of things. We just talked for hours, and I took her home. And I remember knowing then I was going to marry her. And don't laugh at me. I started playing like love songs in my car on the way to my house. And I was just driving around singing from the top of my lungs. I was just rejoicing that I had found my wife. Amen. And it had been a long time coming. It was like 400 years in the desert kind of thing. And so my, I just, I, I'll never forget it. I was just so excited. You ever felt that before, that kind of joy where you can't help but sing, like you can't help but dance because you're just so excited. And this joy is a part of the Christmas story. It's all throughout the Christmas narrative, right? Today's text, we're going to hear the angel declare good news of great joy, not average joy or kind of joy, but great joy. The wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, when she heard about, when she heard her voice, said her baby leaped in her womb for joy. Joy and the Christmas story are inseparable. But joy, rejoicing, it's the natural response to receiving good news. And here's the word I want you to hear today, maybe more, is good news. I think there's two newses, that's not a word, two things that we listen to. It's a preacher word, newses. Two news. There's good news and there's lesser news. And hear this, friends. Our joy many times, if we're listening to the lesser news, there's not joy. But if we find ways to live into, tap into, listen to, 
celebrate, live for, pass away. The good news, there's exceedingly great joy. There is, you just found your wife and your little forward focus, singing top of your lungs kind of joy that doesn't go away. And here's my heart. Um, it's the holidays, and I am well aware of this. The holidays, yes, are a season of rejoicing. But for many of us in this room, it's also a season of sadness, is it not? Some of you come in this room, and I don't want to, like, be very glib about this or very, what's the word, just kind of pass through this. There is real pain in this room right now. This is the first Christmas without a loved one. Uh, uh, there's sickness in your family. It's just been a hard season. But he, here is my prayer that I've been praying all week for us and for myself. That in the midst of the hard, we can still find joy. Friends, I, I, I do not for my life and for us want to live a life of halfway joy. I'm praying for abundant joy and abundant life for us today. That we can encounter the good news in such a way that we leave here with this foundation of joy today. Because here is the truth of the good news. Even in the midst of the financial hardship, of the sickness, of the bad relationship, of the thing, whatever your thing is, where the good news is the foundation, there can be joy in the midst of sadness. That is possible for the people of God today. Because the king has come. We can sing joy of the world because there's a new king. Let me pray for us. Father, the joy that is promised from you is only found in you. Father, saturate this gymnasium with the good news today. We ask for a ta your tangible present. Let us feel inside our bones the realness and the truth and the reality of the good news. For my friends, for myself that have come in today, not with like this great spirit, but that have come in limping, that are tired, that are hurting, where the enemy has strongholds today. It's a great song that says, we speak Jesus over those things today, Father. Bring us the good news. We love you, Jesus. We do all this for your name. Amen. So let's go to Luke 2. And we're going to see today this great picture of joy. The story, you've, if you've watched the Charlie Brown special, you've seen this uh, your entire life. You've heard this passage. But as I've read this a thousand times this week, I believe there is so much in here today that we can learn about the good news of great joy. Verse 8. It says here, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Normal night for these guys, right? Just hanging out, taking care of their flock. Then things change in verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Bless their hearts. Can you imagine that? It's a normal night. It's a little, if it's here, it's probably muggy outside. And an angel just shows up like, oh, my goodness. And hear this. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. If you will, just close your eyes for a minute. I know this is so cheesy, but just, just honor me for a minute, please. Close your eyes and imagine being in that field. And a, and, and a real angel and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Imagine how it must have felt for those shepherds. You can open your eyes now. 
And it says here, they were filled with great fear. How could they not be? In verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It'll be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, it wasn't scary enough. There was the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace among those who whom he is pleased. This is the word of the Lord. My goodness. You see the first words from the angel to these lowly shepherds. And the shepherds, just to remind you, they were not like the bee's knees. What am I saying, the bee's knees? They were not the like most respected people in the world at that time. They were very lowly type people. But the first words were what? Fear not. The first words were fear not. Before the angels, before they were ready to hear the good news, they had to stop fearing. They had to kind of be in a place where they could actually receive and hear the good news. They had to calm down. But listen, I don't blame them, do you? If I'm doing my job at night and suddenly there's angels, there's heavenly hosts, there's glory of God, there's all this, I'm going to be a little afraid. Listen, if there is an attack in our house, I'm calling my father-in-law. Let's be honest with you right now. I'm calling Mr. Joe because uh, we're in trouble. And so, um, but here is the thing. And here's kind of the first big thought today is that fear prevents joy. Fear prevents joy. Where fear is present, we cannot receive the good news that leads to great joy. Our friends were afraid out there. They're afraid of the unknown. They're afraid of what this angel, what the glory of God, the power of God. When you encounter the power of God, fear is going to happen. But there's two kinds of fear, right? There's the fear that draws you away from God into yourself, into self-protection. Or there's a kind of fear that draws you to your knees, that leads you to worship. The shepherds, the kind of fear where they were afraid for their lives and ready to run away. So the angel says, fear not. And I don't blame them. But here's the truth. The same kind of fear, the fear of the unknown that paralyzed our friends thousands of years ago does the same thing to us today. And it prevents us from hearing good news when the volume of fear is turned up, it's too loud many times to hear the good news. And here is the real problem. We are more used to living in fear than living with joy. Fear is a more normal posture, a more normal feeling among our, our generation today than the feeling of joy is, which is fascinating because, friends, I, I, I saw this video this week, and it broke down the population of the world into 100 dots. And it showed who could read in the world, who made this much money a day in the world, who had clean water, who had shelter, things, who had medical care. And, like, we were, like, 2%, the top 2% having medical care, water, housing, and some money in food. Like we are completely blessed people. We have more knowledge, more protection, 
more than any time in the history of the world, yet how much does fear dominate our lives? And here is where fear prevents joy for us today. In light of the fear of the unknown, we forego trusting in the good news and we look to lesser news, maybe temporary news. And it's the things that we feel like we control or we can plan or, or we can purchase. We find the best and the safest neighborhoods that'll protect us and lead to a good life. We make sure our kids go to the best schools. We save, we invest our money. And none of these are bad things at all, but they're not good news things, church. Hear that today. We have mistakenly placed good things into the good news that we must protect at all costs. The things that God has blessed us with, safety, money, jobs, those aren't bad things, but they're not ultimate things. This is why when things like the stock market change or inflation increases or the world that our kids are growing up in just changes and we lead to anxiety and fear. But the early church, who was truly persecuted, truly attacked, there's this great story in Acts 4 where their leaders are on trial and, and, and being threatened with death and they get released, they come back to the church in Acts 4, and the church doesn't pray for their protection. What the church does is prays for more boldness. And it's because the early church were saturated. The good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus was the overriding foundational principle of their lives. But a focus on the things of this world, the lesser news of this world tends to have fear rise and joy wane. Even my week this week, <laughs> we had a, a staff meeting on Monday and um, I preached and cried to our staff for like 30 minutes on Monday. Poor our staff. Um, thank you, Heather. I appreciate that. And um, but I was just walking with God. Like Sunday is one of those days, like you're just walking with God. You could like do anything. And then Tuesday through Saturday happened. And oh my gosh, we went last night to look at Christmas lights with our kids. And they were literal demons in the back of my car. Like, that's not even a joke. Like I'm worried for their souls now. And it was Christmas lights with donuts, guys. What's the problem? And I find myself, here's what I was finding myself. As I was wanting good circumstances and hoping in that more than I was staying connected to the good news. Does that make sense? It's so subtle. I start thinking about me, our, our budget for next year as a family, or, or planning for this trip, or, or doing that, or doing my heart, my affection, my love begins to shift. And in subtle ways, my hope begins to shift. And then what I see is there's not joy coming out, but there's fear coming out, anxiety, there's anger. And it's because I shifted my eyes to lesser news and away from the good news. That's the battle, friends. I don't want us, here, here's one of my prayers, is I don't want us to live lives that are okay focusing on lesser news, that are okay with lesser joy. Listen, no one in this room is going to be perfect, right? 
Every person here is a sinner saved by grace. But what I do pray for is that we could be a people together who were committed to this focus on good news and this life full of joy. That's the hope, that's the prayer today. But here's the good news. Is our, our friend, the angel that came and the story we're going to tell was not telling a lesser news kind of story. Go back to verse 10. Verse 10, we see this. We see the story that you've heard before, but there's this great phrase we're going to focus on in verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, or fear prevents joy, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Here's our big thought today. The good news leads to great joy. The good news leads to great joy. And before we dive into what the good news looks like, I want to help define joy for us today. Bring some clarity here. We've talked a lot about joy the past few months. In the book of Philippians, that is the theme of the book. And really it's this idea of joy in the midst of suffering. Our, our friend Paul, we learned, wrote this in prison. So he didn't have very good circumstances, did he? But he walked with exceeding joy, which tells us that exceeding joy in the midst of hard is possible. And joy is a great thing. It's certainly a part of this season. And I think we experience this joy in different kind of moments, but how can we live lives of sustaining joy? So here's what joy is not. Joy is not just a lot of activity. Listen, there's tons to do, but many times we go through these events, these activities in a joyless way. Do you do this or is it just me? Like you just like check it off. Like I'm the next. Like this gathering with your great friends for a party. Oh, check. I'm done with that now. Instead of actually being present in the midst of those things. Joy is not nostalgia. Nostalgia is the warm fuzzies that come with thinking about all the cultural things that we're going to do, Christmas lights. Uh, they're not bad things, but they're not the thing, right? See, nostalgia is centered on these feelings of the past, of what did happen. But joy is had in the present and current reality. And finally, joy is not happiness. Happiness is a great thing in this season. Shopping, decorating, parties, cards but it's it's one of the world's virtues and like all the world's virtues here's the key it disappears very easily doesn't it it's that feeling right it's December 26 and like your stuff's still up decorate oh I gotta do that now I gotta put that up it's that feeling oh the season is over the the, the fun is over it's this fleeting sense of happiness years ago for Christmas we took our kids to Disney World and telling them they were jumping with joy, they were so excited. But then five days later, we're leaving Magic Kingdom, and my son Hayes is weeping as he leaves because the joy of this world is temporary. Even the most expensive joy in the world to be found. <laughs> and I suffered for that joy. Um, but it's fleeting. It's fleeting. True joy. 
joy when you blow it, but there's still joy only comes from one person, that's God. When you get the phone call from the doctor, but you have peace, that kind of joy only comes from one thing. It comes from God. And it's based on what God has done. And it's given to us, the people of God, by God, for our good, for his glory, and it's sustained by him. And nothing destroys joy except us, except the love of self, except the shifting of our eyes away from the good news, the great news, to lesser news. And here's my hope today is I want that kind of joy for us. Amen? Like sustaining joy in the midst of the heart. Imagine Mary and Joseph and the shepherds that morning. Like what they experienced. I love the way this passage kind of, it shares the story of the birth of Jesus. And then it shifts in the same, I imagine like a camera panning away in the same region. There's these lowly shepherds experiencing another supernatural thing right there. They're experiencing the supernatural work of God. And that's the prayer for us every time we gather, friends. We gather at 845 and we pray for a supernatural encounter with God. A world full of lesser news. We come here and focus on the good news and leave with great joy. That's the prayer every single week. This joy is from God. But I want you to hear this. We used to meet uh, in downtown Shreveport, and we had these chairs that were there that weren't like, as a bigger guy, um, they weren't chairs that I fully had confidence in every week. Where Have you ever been there before? You see a chair, you look at it, you're like, well, I'm not sure on that thing, but I've got to sit. And so, and it's that thing where that chair and you sit and it falls apart and life is really bad for five minutes. Here's, that's what Lester News really is. It's the chair that cannot support your joy. So you think, man, if I get that house one day, that's going to do it. With this house, our kids will be in great schools. It's safe, has the countertops, it has all the rooms, has all the things. We'll get here and we can sit back and we can relax. And then interest rates rise, right? Or maybe it's, if I just finish this degree, if I just get this done, then I'll get that promotion. I'll get that, that pay raise. I can put this away for retirement, and we can be secure knowing in 25 years we can enjoy life. And then the market crashes. Listen, the things of this world are the chair that cannot support your joy. There is one thing that truly brings great joy. That's the good news of Jesus. And we love good news, don't we? Man, I love good news. I think about when I was like nine years old, all I wanted in the world was a G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Amen? You know what I'm talking about if you're an 80s kid? And I remember waking up, running in there, and my goodness, there was good news. That thing was put together too. I mean, Santa was on his job that morning, that night. And so I was like, that was good news to nine-year-old Jason. But then there's like, Good news. News that you'll never forget. I remember the news that like, it was time to get Hattie. That's good news. The money was raised. All we had to do was go get our little girl. Friends, that's good news. But here's the greatest story in the world. There's even better news. 
And that's what the angel wants to see, uh, tell his friends today. Go back to, um, go back to verse 10 for a second. Because it's going to help us to define this good news, to see what it really looks like, how it fleshes out for us. First kind of good news attribute is this right here. The good news was worth waiting for. The good news was worth waiting for. See, the angels report, they reported what was the fulfillment of what God promised way back in Genesis. In Genesis 3, it was the fulfillment of that thousands of years ago. It's what the psalmist talked about so much in his messianic songs. What he was hoping for, that one day a new king would come. It was that kind of fulfillment. It's what the prophets spoke about in Daniel, Isaiah, and Micah. It had been 400 years without one word from God. But this kind of news was worth waiting for. And when that word came, it didn't come through a prophet. It didn't come through a message. God and flesh stepped in. He came himself with this message of rescue, redemption, hope, life, and joy found only in him. It was news. It was the kind of news that had the power to change things forever. Even like laws in our country can be changed, correct? We have amendments to our constitution. All those things that seem so secure ultimately can change, can go away. But there was a king who brought a kingdom who will never change, who will go forever and ever and ever. And this king didn't come with like disappointments or with anger or with wrath. How'd this king come? As a baby the most vulnerable, gentle thing our world has to offer. It was news that was worth waiting for. I remember me and Tracy were engaged, and she was dying to marry me. And that's not a joke either. That's not a joke. It's like, what's, she's like, I just want to get married now. I was like, baby, all in time, all in time. <laughs> it was so funny. It's so true. And Tracy's so mad right now. Um, because, I, I tell this to my kids all the time, the best things in life are worth waiting for. And right now, this is the, we're waiting for the second advent, aren't we, friends? Because we feel the weight of the brokenness of this world. The sickness, the sin, the despair. We, and we're waiting for the good news to be fully redeemed through his return, aren't we? When there's no more tears, there's no more sickness. But hear this, friends, the best news, the good news is worth waiting for. This is not my notes, but here's the even greater news, that the king says, hey, hey, you who are a sinner, who are messed up, come, I want to use you in my kingdom. Actually, I'm going to call you my son. But also, you're also my ambassador. So go and, and join me in this kingdom work. And I'm sending you out to the least of these to go and love them and there's a joy found in that, friends, that is unreal. i got to keep going here. We are desperate for good news. But this news was weighty. It was life-altering. It was like a forever kind of news. Life-changing news. News worth waiting for. And that's big news. 
But here is the beauty of our king, the beauty of this good news. The good news was also accessible. The good news was personal. Not just some big flash or some big message, but he came in the form of a baby. See, the personal nature of the good news is that it is centered on a person. The person of Jesus Christ and the personal nature of God fleshes out in these two different ways, in proximity and in presence. Look at verse 8 again. I love the way it says this. In the same region, there were shepherds. In the same region. The one whose glory just terrified them was also starting his kingdom in their town. They saw this and they were afraid. At the same time, the king of the universe was in their neighborhood. Proximity. He came near. This is the Christmas story, friends. Emmanuel, God with us. Remember um, last year uh, in, in 2021, it was the 10-year anniversary of 9, or 20-year anniversary of 9-11. And I watched all the documentaries during that season. And what I always loved the most was the part where it talked about on that day, uh, W was in our town. Remember that? At Barksdale. And I remember feeling it then and feeling it when I watched the, the documentaries, this sense of pride, right? The president was at our Air Force base. He felt safe there. And just for a few hours, we were a part of the story. In an even greater way, those shepherds, the king of the universe was in their town being born. John 1.14, the message, I love this version, says this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Our God came near. The good news of this personal God is that he came near. He didn't send a messenger, he came himself. Tim Keller says this, he put himself in the form of witness. He spent time with his followers. He spent time with the sinners, the outcasts, the religious, the poor, the sick. He came and he did life with us. He was near us. His nearness to us caused him pain. We hurt him physically, emotionally, but he was with us. And not just in some spiritual sense. Go to verse 12 again. And this always gets me. This will be a sign to you. You will find what will you find there? Will you find a message? Will you find fire? Will you find a spirit? Will you find, what will you find? You will find a baby. The scandal, the miraculous, the, I can't fully understand God putting on flesh. And not just like, if I was God, I would put on flesh and like, you know, a really like strong, great body. He came as a baby and experienced all of adolescence experience puberty, experience all these things that I can't fully comprehend. God gave us his presence, and his presence was personal. It wasn't even like a, a distant presence, like well, he was here but didn't want to be here, you know, kind of like me at a party, like that kind of thing. Like he was, <laughs> he was present. Remember these parts of his life, these little snapshots. On the beach, catching his followers fishing. On a beach, they were fishing, and he walked up to them, just being a friend, being a, being a rabbi, or him getting angry and clearing the temple 
It's like, no, 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 no. It's like, a, a, like when I come in and our house is a mess and I go after my kids, not the same at all. But um, this picture of like this righteous anger, that is correct. It's righteous anger when I do that. Him touching the man of leprosy after this great sermon, his heart going out to him. Him just making those Pharisees so mad by healing on the Sabbath. He's like just stirring things up for God's good. Imagine him talking to that woman at the well midday, knowing, knowing that it was going to be in Scripture one day and what it meant for his followers to see that. Before the, he raised Lazarus from the dead, and he saw Mary and Martha, and what did he do? He wept. The God-man wept because he was personal. He was with us. He lost his cousin, John the Baptist. At dinner with Martha and Mary. He was a carpenter. He could use a hammer and a nail. Imagine that. He had to learn how to do that. His father probably taught him how to do that. He walked thousands of miles by foot his disciples. Can you imagine the stories they shared? He probably fell down, scraped his knee. They had jokes. He probably had food he liked. He was personal. You know, you go to another culture, one of the big things to eat their food and dress how they dress. The God of the universe who created us in humility, he came and he followed the customs of his day. He was personal. He came near. He invested in people. He loved spending time with people. He wasn't just a sacrifice that came and died. It wasn't some transaction, right? Like, well, they're sinners. I'm going to do this. No, he came and did life with us. Hear this. The moment he died on the cross, says in Mark 15, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This is hugely symbolic, and it's, it's staggering. The curtain was there to separate the rest of the temple from the place called the Holy of Holies. The presence of God dwelt in this forbidden place. While the faithful were kept out, it was a very clear message. God was too much. He was too big. He was too holy for us to approach. That's why the shepherds were, were, were in fear, right? The Jews didn't even dare utter his name. But we do now, don't we? We utter on a first name basis because hear this church, worship this church, Jesus changed everything. Through his cross, he paid for our sins. He cleansed us. He bought us out of the dungeons of the evil one and he brought us back into life with his father. He established a whole new way of coming to God. Jesus reclined with people with sinners. He enjoyed people. Jesus was bringing things back to the original creation mandate, right? Jesus closed the distance. So back in the fall, Genesis 3, we stepped away. We said, no, we went our way. And then every one of us chooses every day to step away. But here's the good news. Jesus closes the distance. Jesus, in spite of everything, pursues us. It's like that 
JSB Bible, we're with our kids. It's that never stopping, never giving up, always pursuing kind of love. Jesus came near. The good news was personal. But the news gets better. Look at verse 10 again. Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. We could stop there and just celebrate, but there's more. That will be for all the people. The good news is for all people. Church, the good news is for all people. The good news is for all people. Listen, in high school, um, I was not in the in crowd. At Southwood High School, there's a thing called the pit you ate at lunch. No one here knows that probably. But the pit is where the cool kids all ate their lunch. But Jason Wood ate in the library by himself. <laughs> True story. And um, that's why I played love songs after Tracy wanted to marry me. And so, um, <laughs> but here, here, here is, this, that, that's funny. It's true. I laughed about that myself. The good news is for everyone. If you feel like you're awkward, you feel that sometimes? Like you come in the room and everybody's like, Ugh. the good news is for everyone. More than likely, there is something in your life that nobody in this room knows about, maybe even your spouse. The good news is for you. You've done things that if we knew, you'd be so embarrassed, but the good news is for you. The good news is for all people. And I love that. Here's the deal. At the time, the in crowd were the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. But here's the truth. I'm, I'm not a Jew. Um, I'm, a, I'm a white American. I'm a fat white American. Um, I'm not wearing a yarmulke this morning. Not many of us are. But you see, Jesus, he closed the distance, but he also widened the circle. He moved near, and he said, come on in. Because the good news is for all people. You know, the one thing that good news is not for is for those that feel like they don't need good news. If you feel like your life is good, that you've created a life where you're sufficient and, and, and you're happy, um, then you're not going to hear this good news. And I'm going to lovingly tell you one day there will be a phone call about a scan, about a job, about some kind of finances where you're going to realize that the good news that you have settled on and has propped you up is not really good news, but it can't hold the weight of your life and your joy. The good news is for all people. Think about the nativity scene. It's all the different cultures that are there. Although the wise and weren't there that night, there's a reason that we include them in this scene. And it's this why, because the gospel's for all people. It was the rich, uh, wealthy wise men. It was the poorest shepherd, both Jew and Gentile, young and old, all present in this nativity story. This is the theme, not only at Christmas, but all of Luke's gospel. Luke 13 says this in verse 29. People will come from east and from west and from north and from south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. So if you're here today, and through the loving kindness whisper of the Holy Spirit, you're, you're realizing that the things that you might lean on in your life are lesser news. 
and you feel like this person, he says in Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom. And you feel this conviction, this poorness in spirit. What Jesus says through his good news is come. Come from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west, from the good, from the bad, the poor, the ugly, the rich, the sick, the down, the orphan, the widow. He's saying, come. Come to my table and feast on the bread of life. Feast on the good news of me. And in this kingdom, as, as you feast on me, you will be filled with great joy to go. He closed the distance and he widened the circle. So I want to close with just kind of four next steps for us to live into joy. Four steps to help us live into this joy. First step I would encourage us with, we must starve our fear. Whatever the inputs in your life that fill you with lesser news, you must find a way to practice self-control to either manage those things or kill those things. It is not wrong to scroll social media. It's not wrong to watch TV. But if that is your primary input, it will lead to a lesser joy because it's lesser news. So either control it or kill it. Either control it or kill it. You have one life on this earth, friends. We have one life on this earth. God has promised his people abundant life and abundant joy. Starve the things that produce fear. Then three ways that we, we pursue good news. First way, pursue good news privately. Pursue good news privately. You have to have a time in your day, your life, your week where it is just you and God. This is the things we talk about reading God's word, spending time in prayer, just being with him. We must pursue God privately. Second, we must pursue the good news communally. You're going to leave here today encouraged because you've experienced, pursued the good news in a communal setting. Can I tell you a secret? The good news goes deeper the smaller the circle gets. When you have someone in your life that can lovingly challenge and encourage you in the areas that you need to believe the good news, almost like a skilled surgeon, they know you so well and say, hey, have you thought about this in your life? Because in this kind of setting, you can't get that. But when you move into deeper community and you have people in your life that are pointing out, like a loving friend, those areas, you believe to see and hear and believe the good news in a deeper way. So pursue privately, pursue communally, and last, pursue good news missionally. Pursue good news missionally. Because when we receive and hear the good news and we're full of joy, the joy is fully consummated when we go and we pass that joy to others. When we live a life on the redemptive edge, right? We live this life for other people. There's a kind of joy that's only experienced through giving our lives over to God's mission for the sake of others and for God's glory. It's not just received, it's passed along, right? That kind of a life is a life full of joy, isn't it? It's the person who 
believes that that private time with God is more important than sleep. That believes a communal experience of God's faith and the good news is a priority more than anything else in this world. And that ultimately lives their life for the sake of the other, for the least of these, for their neighbors, for their coworkers. That sees their life as an ambassador in God's kingdom. Friends, that's a life full of joy. So here's the encouragement. Take a step today. Take a stumbling step today. Not a perfect step, but a stumbling step. Let's pray. Dear Lord, um, uh, thank you. Thank you that uh, this Christmas season is not just a trip for nostalgia, but it's actually a celebration of a historical event, the event of God putting on flesh. And what that means for us today, we just thank you. So, Father, help us in this room respond, not with perfection, not with uh, bravado. Let us respond with humble faithful steps towards you. You're good to us, Lord. I ask you to move in hearts right now. I pray all this in your name. Amen. We're going to finish this sermon time with communion. What a place where we find where our joy comes from as we taste the bread and we taste the juice, as we come and take this active approach in our faith. But before you come today, I just want you to reflect. Reflect on what God's doing in your life, where there might be fear that needs to be starved out, where you might need to commit to pursuing some kind of good news. You might need to pray somebody in the back with one of our prayer team members. But today, before you come, just deal with God. And when you're ready, come partake at the table.